Hello, everybody. You're very welcome to the very first episode of SVP Radio. My name is Michael Higgins. I'm National Member Support Manager. We hope you find these recorded conversations useful as an SVP member, and perhaps even members of the public might also find them interesting. As we try to do them, maybe at least one a month, um, we'd be very grateful for your feedback and ideas. So please don't hesitate to email us on membersupport at svp.ie. We um, are very, very pleased to uh, be joined by Nessan Vaughan, who is the chair of the Social Justice Committee, and Marcella Stakem, who is the research and policy officer with the Social Justice team. They have very gamely volunteered to be um, the first two people to join us for SVP Radio. So we're grateful for that. And I suppose as we talk to them today, we hope to find out a little bit more about the social justice team. And we're also going to discuss the Irish government's recent budget for 2024 and how that might be relevant to our members and ultimately the people that we assist. So Ness and Marcella, you're both very welcome. And thanks again for, for taking the time to join. Before we kind of dive into it, Nesson, would you like to give a little bit of a background to your own involvement with SVP, please? Yeah, thanks, Michael. And good morning. Good morning, Marcella. Um, delighted to be here. Yeah, well, I joined, like I suppose, like a lot of volunteers or nearly all volunteers in the society to help out uh, at a local level. So in my case, my local conference and my local conference is in Donamede. It covers Donamede, uh, Balgriffin, Belmain and Clongriffin. So a very busy area. So that's my core commitment. But I also occasionally help out on the helpline in the East region. And I'm on a, on a few committees. I was recently appointed chair of the uh, National Social Justice Committee. Uh, and I'm also on the, uh, the the National Governance Committee as well. <clears throat> so um, I'm, you know, I'm privileged to be a, a volunteer in, the, in this area. And I suppose if I can do those things and get involved in those areas of activity, I think so So can most people. Perfect. Thanks, Nesson. And Marcella, yourself, um, how long have you been with SVP now? Thanks so much, Michael. Um, yeah, I joined SVP back in January 2018, so I'm approaching six years. I'm part of the social justice team. Um, I have responsibility for homelessness and housing and international protection and early years education. So I'm I'm delighted to um you know continue working um with SVP. It's a really good organization and a really nice social justice team, as well as working closely with the social justice committee. Yeah, terrific. And uh, I suppose as mentioned at the top there, we hope to give members a little bit of an insight today into what the social justice team does and also the, the more recent budget so maybe to set the scene Marcella would you be able to provide a, a brief overview of the social justice function and I suppose what its key objectives are? Yeah so at SVP we raise social justice issues and we challenge social injustice injustices that we see so like homelessness, uh, low pay, inadequate social welfare energy poverty, educational disadvantage, and the high cost of living. The team um, comprises of four employees, and we use research and analysis and evidence and feedback from SVP members on the ground, as well as working closely with the National Social Justice Committee. And we do that to work um, together to end poverty in Ireland. And concern that we have is turned into action by meeting with 
government ministers, TDs, uh, government departments and state agencies. And we also work closely uh, with other NGOs around campaigning, as well as um, getting our voice out there through the media around social justice issues. So I suppose to give a little context of why we work for social justice, for example, right now we have one in five children are now living, living in, in forced deprivation in Ireland, as well as there's over 12,000 people, including almost 4,000 children living in emergency accommodation. And research that we commissioned back in 2022 showed that over half of households had difficulty making ends meet uh, during 2022. So you know, we anticipate um, and estimate that it has risen during 2023, uh, particularly with the high cost of living. Okay, okay. So it, um, it certainly suggests that the members who, who know better than anybody uh, that the level of busyness of their work is, is unlikely to to tail off any anytime soon. Um, Nesson, can I ask, how does the social justice function you know, do its work in relation to working from local to, to national level? Um, and if you have any examples of, of how, I suppose, our advocacy in SVP has worked in the past, that, that might be helpful. Yeah. Um, so uh, Marcella mentioned the social justice team there, as did you, Michael, in your introduction. M many regions or most regions, if not all, have a, a rep on the national social justice team. So if a, a member wanted to raise an issue that they thought was appropriate to for the attention of the committee, they can do it that way. They can pick the phone up to the social justice team. They can raise it to existing structures like the, the area council to their through their local conference president, uh, who in turn can bring it to the region council and and then onto the social justice team. They can send an email, and we also have a membership network, so they can join a network where they can feed in information. And it's a two-way process where we also occasionally will survey members to get some feedback on different approaches. So there are many ways that people can get involved. Uh, we try to keep it simple, so we're not as precious about. A phone call or an email or or you know through through uh, any particular hierarchical structures um <clears throat> we've had some successes and we <clears throat> we've always uh, welcome when government takes steps uh, that are to be welcomed they should be acknowledged as such so for example the 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 recent announcements in relation to school books we would see that as a win we've been advocating for that for a long time so um earlier this year we had free uh, the introduction of free school books for children at primary school level that's now been extended for students in secondary up to junior cert now of course we're, we're asking for it to be extended throughout uh, the secondary school cycle um we've also had some wins too with the energy regulator so there's protocols before people can be disconnected from their from their um for energy for uh, electricity or gas so we've had we've had you know several several successes over the years it's incremental often uh, but uh, i do think the voice of vincent nepal is listened to so for example as is well known now the Taoiseach set up a, a child poverty and well-being unit in his department so it means it's cross-cutting and, and uh, he came down to meet some members, a small number of members, in SVP House on Holy Week to just to hear what we are experiencing on the ground. So I think that, you know, that's access, that's real access. <clears throat> and Marcella 
mentioned there, just just how we lobby and how we influence and so forth. But we that was uh, the T-shirt himself coming down to ask our views. So members' voices are hugely important, and um, they do um, they do it does it does count because we have our members are ordinary members in the in it throughout the conferences throughout the country and have privileged access to people in their homes and that is powerful would it be fair to say Nesson, that it's i suppose the credibility of the social justice team is is there because of obviously the professionalism and the research and the evidence-based approach coupled with the fact that we obviously or an organisation in practically every parish in the country. And I suppose having the experience of members brought to bear on your work kind of lends itself a kind of um, a credibility that is is important. Would that be a fair summary of it? I think so. I think people recognise that we have no axe to grind, except on behalf of people in poverty or people who are suffering. We mm. don't have any other, there's no other angle to us. And uh, and we have that credibility because we 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 feet on the ground in, in, in walking into homes. Yes, and I think we have a very professional, a very small team. It has to be said in social justice who do do amazing work. But interestingly, at um, a, a, an event in the convention centre, I forget which one it was, some centenary, I think we were marking, not long ago, President Higgins talked about the quality of our pre-budget submissions, commended us. On the quality of our pre-budget submissions, and and, and of course he said he he reads them. So I thought that was uh, high praise indeed. Not to get too carried away with ourselves, but I think it was very powerful to hear that from our, our, our president. Well, well, that's a lovely segue, uh, Nesson, uh, intentional or otherwise, to discuss the budget this year, which um, obviously was the the details of which were just released by government uh, a couple of weeks ago, and SVP did submit a detailed pre-budget submission that people can access on our website if if they wish. What we might do to begin with, um, because I know there's there's good and there's challenging things within the budget. So perhaps, uh, Nesson, if I might ask you first, what would you um, like to highlight in terms of what you would welcome from the budget? What um, would, would you like to kind of commend the, mm. you know, the government or others for, for putting on the table in this recent budget? Yeah, there were a number of measures that we do welcome, of course, and there were some very positive announcements in the areas of education and poverty. So, for example, the books I mentioned already, the extension of free books to uh, students who are now up to the junior cert cycle, uh, not far enough, but welcome nonetheless, and it's moving in the right direction. And and that has made a huge difference and will make a huge difference now to to, uh, parents of secondary going uh, children. Also, the child benefit now being extended to students who are for students who are 18 years of age and over. This has been a, a major issue for us. As we all know now with transition year, many, most students I think now do transition year. So uh, that m- means that most, I would say most students are 18 doing their leaving cert. And up to now they did then, that child benefit was cut off when they, when they reached 18, which is really counterintuitive and in many ways going against the, the efforts to keep children in education. So we really welcome that, that extension for children who are who, who reach 18. It's very welcome for their parents or for their guardians. Also, there's um, there's an announcement about extending financial support, and hopefully it will be Susie, to students who are doing a third level, who are doing part-time courses. 
and uh, we we have been lobbying for that as well, advocating for that for 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 quite some time. And we know, in particular, lone parents, for example, who would not, who are trying to juggle family responsibilities and minding children, etc., with then trying to if, if they're trying to undertake a course of study, they would do that usually on a part-time basis. So that is also to be welcomed. There's some measures too about uh, increases in support for children in early years and areas of disadvantage and some increased payments for children in direct provision. And so we have to wait some of those details, but there's some of the the measures that we really do welcome and will make a difference. And while we are critical of one-off payments and we are notwithstanding our reservations about that, they do, of course, still will make a difference for some people. It might carry them through the winter as they did last year, get them over maybe some of the toughest challenges for them. Yeah, and I suppose the um, the nature of it is that you know the budget is is a huge document. There's there's lots of things in it. So, uh, you know, we're only going to cover um, some key highlights uh, in this conversation. So, but I think it's it's useful to kind of at least put on the record, you know, some of the things that people should be aware of and and which they already may be aware of, um, that that will help people at, at local level. But Marcella, I suppose, you know, there's always things that are absent and, you know, there's always more that can be done. And I suppose, would you like to maybe highlight some of the challenges or some of the things that you think is is a, inter, a, as a missed opportunity in this budget? And, and what would we like to see, you know, rectified as, as soon as possible into the future? Yeah, I suppose our, our, our one main concern is that the targeted interventions uh, on income didn't go far enough. So, for example, uh, there was a 12 euro announcement increase to core social welfare rates. And we had advocated that that should be increased at a minimum to 27 euro 50. And that was needed just to restore the real value of core working age payments to 2020 levels. And um, so, for example, the cost of a basket of goods and services to has risen um, by almost 20%. And that basket of goods and services are are goods and services that we all need. They're they're what is needed to have a minimum essential standard of living. So that has risen, uh, as I said, by almost 20% since 2020. So that's really concerning that, you know, that's not adequately addressed in the the budget. And as Nesson said, that the one-off payments, they are to be welcomed and they do help families. But that is what they are. They're just one-off payments. And when they are spent, they are spent, they're gone then. They're not there for the, the weekly budget. And, and people, you know, need that certainty to really live with, with dignity and respect. They need to know what they are, you know, having or, you know, the amount of money that they are having is, is a standard and is adequate to live on a weekly basis because what we hear from our members is that those one-off payments they're used you know almost straight away as soon as um, a person gets that one-off payment they use it to pay off a bill or to pay off arrears or they, they might put a little bit away for Christmas coming up but that's not just that's not um you know sustainable in the long term so what we're saying is we really need to have an adequate income that is sustainable uh, for families on a weekly basis so that they can plan for their future. Um, I suppose the other main concern we had is around homelessness, that the, the homeless measures that were announced in Budget 2024 won't address 
all the issues that we have around the housing and homeless crisis right now. So, for example, we have almost 4,000 children in, in state homeless care in emergency accommodation. And we were hopeful because this uh, budget was a focus on, on child poverty and a focus on child well-being. We were hopeful that there would be more announcements there to address uh, child homelessness in particular. So, for example, we would have liked to have seen additional family support workers uh, for families that are living in emergency accommodation. Those support workers would be there for people who need them or require them just to help them really and support them around the daily practical challenges as a homelessness and also to try and, and get out of homelessness as quick as possible. So that has been a, you know, a missed opportunity that we have um, identified in this budget. Also, the qualified child increase um, was increased, which is also welcome, but it was increased by four euro. And we had advocated that that increased um, payment needed to go to 10 euro per week for children under 12 and 15 euro per, 15 euro per week for children over 12 to make real progress on, on tackling child poverty. It's tricky with uh, the nature of the election cycles to kind of budget too far in advance. But I suppose if we had um, a wish that the next cycle of budgets, not just the next budget, but the next two or three or four, what might they kind of look like or what should they be framed like um, that would help shift the um, I suppose the conversation on on, on alleviating poverty to to a, to the degree that we think is necessary. Budgets are about choices. So as Nesson you know pointed out, there was positive choices made there around school books, child benefit for children in in school that are eighteen and over. That's particularly welcome. We would have liked to have seen that more of that more targeted interventions. And really beginning to look at people's income, that are, particularly people that are um, on social welfare, we would have liked to have seen a, you know, a sustained increase of core social welfare rates being increased uh, year on year, because that's really you know, the, the core way that we will you know, try to you know, address and tackle poverty. Uh, starting with people's income and ensuring that people have a minimum essential standard of living and, and ensuring that people have an income that can afford a minimum essential standard of living. Yeah, and if maybe just add, just to say, Michael, too, like we have the Vincentian Massel, that's the minimum essential standard of living research centre is now located within SVP and I happen to chair that as well and I'm very honoured uh, to do that and they do very good calculations about what is what income does someone need to live a life of dignity, not in luxury. So the core social welfare rates, as Marcellus pointed out there, are way short of that. So I think if we were to move even in an incremental way, but to reach that muscle, uh, minimum central standard of living, muscle rate, that would make a real difference to people in welfare. Also to move towards a living wage for people who are in employment. I know there was an increase in the minimum wage, which is to be welcomed, but a living wage. So that's then really a floor below which nobody falls. So be a per person, those two measures would mean that people either who are employed or people who are uh, in, uh, dependent on, 
on a welfare payment would not fall below a certain level so that they can live a life in some level of dignity. Because Marcella, again, at, at the outset, talked about the level of poverty in the country. And you know, one often hears politicians and economists saying, comparing us internationally to how well we're doing in league tables about the rate of poverty, are we mid-table or not? It doesn't, you know, it, it, that's academic of academic interest. It's indisputable that we have hundreds of thousands of people living in poverty and, children, and a huge number of children uh, in, in poverty. And is that acceptable in a very wealthy country? Or do we have uh, an acceptable level of poverty? I wonder, you know, so uh, there's serious work to be done. But I think those two measures would make a huge difference in the lives of people and children and their future, because poverty uh, is intergenerational and it, it's, it's an urgent that it be addressed. I hope that this, these types of conversations, I suppose, help highlight some of the key challenges um, so that our members are aware, maybe the members of the public can be more aware, um, and to acknowledge what progress has been made, but the obvious progress that still needs to be made if, if we as a society, both SVP society and also Irish society, is to, I suppose, get to where I think most people would, would like to be. So listen, I mean... We, we don't want to take too much of your time. I, we very much appreciate um, you, you giving us some key insights there, both in terms of the social justice team and the recent budget. Nesson, if I could just ask finally, and please, if, if either have, have anything to add, please shout. But I suppose as a member listening to this, if they would like to get involved or if they'd like to help or if they'd like to support the social justice team and, and function, what might you suggest to them? And I know you mentioned earlier there was the social justice network. Is there an email or a phone number that they can, that yeah, they I can think use? I would say contact the social justice team in, in head office and we'd put them on the, um, the, the, the network. But also just, you know, to their own conference, if they want issues raised, emails. I had a call just the other day from somebody just phoned me directly, no problem about an issue that now we're, we're looking at to see is it is it a significant issue or a one-off so we're very flexible about how if people want to raise issues they can raise them and as i said uh, earlier michael that most regions have a, a rep on the social justice team but just pick the phone up or get onto it marcel i'm sure would be happy to take a call myself as well take a call or an email uh, we make it as easy as possible we're not precious as said it's not a, we're not a, a, a bureaucracy just pick the phone up drop an email whatever way people are are comfortable in communicating if there's an issue please get involved because you know so the advocacy for social justice is a key part of of our work uh, in addition to the visitations and the practical support that we give people but we know if we don't advocate for social justice the root causes the structural causes of poverty will never be satisfactorily addressed marcella have you anything to add in that regard to say we always like to get more members involved in the social justice network um, you know feedback from members have said it's been a really positive beneficial experience for them so coming up in January we are holding an event um, where we will have um, a range of speakers um, some government ministers um, some NGO organizations attending and the team this year will be on education so we'd love if you know members can attend uh, we hope to have it in SVP House um, towards the end of January, and we will be in contact with network members um, about that in, in the coming weeks. But, uh, you know, if more members would like to attend and like to join the network, they are most welcome. And Marcella, can I just ask, what's the best email 
that the members might uh, send a note to the team at? Yeah, uh, so as Nesson said, we have a social justice network and we do have a dedicated social justice network email. It's sjnetwork at svp.ie and you can get any of us on that on the team um, and we will respond to that network, that network email. Great stuff. And um, as we're kind of becoming familiar with, we could put that email into the notes on this uh, podcast. So if people people don't have to write it down straight away as they're listening, they can they can pick it up afterwards. So listen, folks, thank you very much for, for taking the time this morning to, to chat with us. I imagine that the people listening will will find it very useful. And, and to those SVP members who are listening, please spread the word. Please tell other members or even friends and family to maybe have a listen. And we hope to do these at least once a month, but we'll respond to feedback, um, particularly as we hopefully build momentum in the new year. Please keep an eye out, at least on a monthly basis. And as I mentioned, if you want to email member support at svp.e with any suggestions or feedback, uh, maybe ideas for topics, etc., we'd be delighted to hear from you. So thanks again to Marcella and Nesson. We, we really appreciate it. And uh, we hope to see you soon again. Thanks, folks. Thanks, thanks Michael. Thank you.